0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're, you're here this weekend. Um, I believe this is going to be a very practical, very practical, very easy-to-apply message uh, this weekend. This will be part one. Next weekend, obviously, we'll finish it up part two. But I I really do, with all my heart, believe that this is something that there's not one individual here, there's not one individual that's going to be watching this in the future um, that can't apply what we're going to be teaching in this series. There's a very practical side to this message, and it is this. We have the greater one living on the inside of us. Now, whether you acknowledge him or not, he's still there. And he's there to help us, and he's there to lead us through and to navigate through some of the difficulties in life. He's there to um, guide us when there's battles to be fought. He's there on our side, he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. No matter what you're going through, no matter what challenge you're facing, no matter what obstacles that that have been thrown in your path, no matter what attack is coming from the enemy, you and I have the greater one that lives inside of us, and we need to be focused on him and not focused on the attack and not focused on the challenge and not focused on the obstacle. Thank you for those couple of amens. You know, in this life, we can become overwhelmed with circumstances that we face, okay? And it seems like, it seems like in this past couple of years, this type of message keeps coming up and keeps coming up and keeps coming up, because I don't know if you realize it or not, but life seems like it's getting more and more difficult on earth. Life seems like it's getting more and more complicated on earth, amen? Amen. And so so listen, the biggest problem that you and I are going to have going through the challenges of life is that if we fo- the more we focus on circumstances, the weaker we become. The more we focus on the greater one that's inside of us, the more powerful we become. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but the word that came, the word of the Lord that came for, for this church at the beginning of this year was that this was the year that many of us and whosoever will are going to go from being pitiful to powerful. Amen. How many of you are sick and tired of being pitiful? Just a few. The rest of you have gotten comfortable in it, and that's why we need to shake things up. Amen? So if we're not careful, we will allow ourselves to become drained of all the faith and be subject to the lies of the circumstances. I'm going to show a few, I believe, very, very, very um, um, clear illustrations from the Word of God that are going to show us how to navigate through some things. And again, I want you to concentrate on the practical thing because what we're going to learn this weekend, every single person can apply on an everyday basis. Amen? So, when we allow the circumstances of life, when we allow the hurts and the wounds and, 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 and the unresolved issues of life to speak louder to us, then then God's word speaks to us, we start to formulate a different picture on the inside. And that picture that we start formulating, if we're not careful, will cloud out the picture that we previously had in our heart of our Father in heaven and how capable he is of rescuing us. Amen? Amen? We're going to spend some time in the Old Testament specifically talking about the prophet Elijah, Powerful, powerful prophet of God in the kingdom of Israel. And at one point, he faced off hundreds of false prophets who had worshipped a pagan god, Baal. And so in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah challenges the false prophets to prove which God is the true God. The false prophets assembled an altar, these false prophets cried out to their God, Baal, from morning till evening, and yet nothing happened. Baal never answered. We could say he bailed. Amen. I just thought of that. That wasn't in my notes. So, so I want you to follow me here, 1 Kings chapter 18, starting in verse 30. Now, now remember, picture the scene. The false prophets of Baal, they've built an altar of their own. They've sacrificed their own sacrifices. They're crying out. In fact, if you go read the account, it says that they're dancing around, and they're crying out, and they're screaming to their God. And at one point, they, they thought maybe he requires some kind of sacrificial uh, blood, and so they start cutting themselves. so the blood. They're doing everything possible to get the attention of this non-existent God, and he never answers. And so now Elijah has endured this all day long. He's watched this spectacle. And then in verse 30, it tells us that Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, which tells us previously, they had all been fascinated with the spectacle that had nothing to do with God. And so he said to him, come near to me. So the people came near to him. Now look at this next verse, this next phrase here. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was what? Broken down. Have we allowed in our own lives the altar of the Lord to be broken down? Have we gotten discouraged? Have we gotten too familiar with? Have we grown cold in our hearts? Obviously these people did. And so Elijah comes on the scene, and he repairs the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Verse 31, and Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he, he made a trench around the altar. Picture this. He made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two says of seed. Some people say that's a couple of bushels. And he put the wood in order. He cut wood and put it in, in, in order so that when he sacrificed the bull and cut it in pieces and he took that flesh of the bull and put it on top of the wood, now he does something extremely, extremely interesting. How many of you have ever built a fire in a fireplace? How many of you have ever had to build a fire outside in a barbecue? And I'm not talking about a gas barbecue. You're using coal or you're using some type of, you're using mesquite wood. Okay, is it wise to, to drench that thing with water? No. Not if you want fire. So what does he do? And he says to them, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time, and did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time, and they did it a third time so that the water ran all around the altar and, they, and it filled the trench around the altar with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are the God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And look at verse 38. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up all the water that was in the trench. A nuclear (laughs) illustration. And what happened? And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The greater one always proves himself in a fight every single time. Now, watch this now. Watch this now. Elijah has just experienced the most powerful event in his ministry. God has answered this man with fire. Everyone there knew now that the God of Elijah was the one true God. Everyone knew that Elijah had a powerful encounter with God Almighty, and they were there to witness it. There should be no no question whatsoever who the true God is at this point. Nobody should be messing with him after this incident. Let's go to the next chapter. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. Ahab, the wicked king of Israel, who was married to a crazy witch named Jezebel, even that name down to this day, these thousands of years later, that name still strikes terror in people's hearts. Jezebel. So Ahab told Jezebel, his wife, all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. The reason he told her because she was supporting all these false prophets. She's feeding them. She's providing a place for them to live. She's protecting them, guarding this demonic activity. Then Jezebel, angry, sent a messenger to Elijah, saying. She sent a messenger to Elijah, saying. She sent a messenger to Elijah, doing what? Saying. Saying. Here's the message that that this person delivers to Elijah. So let the gods do to me more and more also. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time, What, what what has he just received? a very serious death threat. You killed my false prophets. By tomorrow, within 24 hours, I'm going to do to you, and worse. Look at verse 3. I want you to follow me. The Holy Spirit never puts words in the Scriptures for no reason at all. And when he... Say it again. And when he... He arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He went as far away and ran as far away as he possibly could. Yet the day before, fire comes down from heaven and consumes everything. He sees it with his own eyes, but he didn't guard his heart. Watch this now. Let's go through this again. Matt, let me read verse four, and then we'll go through it. But he himself went a day's journey. He left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey. So he goes even further into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Well, if he really wanted to die, he would have stayed where he was. Because (laughs) Jezebel said, I'm coming to kill you. Yes or no? So, So mighty Elijah, who killed hundreds of false prophets the day before, is now hiding in the shade of a bush because he allowed what the messenger to say to form a picture in his mind. And he literally went from powerful to pitiful because he forgot the greater one who was with him. Are you listening? Yes. Now watch this. God created us with an ability to imagine, to, the ability to create images, pictures of what might be. Now, now, when it's used in the positive, it's a powerful force for good. Just think about this. We, we can envision ideas. We, we can envision inventions. Art, great architectural masterpieces all start out... As a picture on the inside of someone. But the enemy, knowing that this God given ability and the power of how powerful it is, seeks to use it against us to form fear and intimidation. Are you listening? Let's go back. The messenger of Jezebel came to Elijah, come on, saying, Saying. I'll say it again because I want you to get this picture, because I want you to understand the mechanics of the way our brains work the messenger of this evil queen comes saying to Elijah the intentions of the queen. And it says that when he saw it, uh, you see? When he saw it, what did he do? He allowed that message from this crazy queen to get in his head and form a picture, because it's, it hasn't been that long that he knows how he's killed these prophets. And she's saying, I'm going to do the same thing to you. So he's up, he's up now continuously. He's not sleeping anymore. Why? Because he can't get this picture out of his head. Because the enemy of our soul knows exactly how to turn the things that God has placed inside us to profit us And if we're not careful, it'll turn around and blow up right in our face. He began to imagine and began to see himself slaughtered just like those false prophets. And the man of God who stood up to over 600 false prophets just a short time before has now run for his life. Not only has he run for his life to hide, he's despair. He has, he's despairing of all hope. He has no hope left. He, all he wants to do is die. I'm done. I don't want to live like this anymore. Why? Because he allowed that picture to get on the inside of him. The enemy always sends messengers to bring suggestions of disaster. <coughs> Excuse me. So, you find a lump in your body someplace. And you start to think, never felt that there before. Feels weird. And what happens? The imagination starts. You start, you start cranking out all kinds of pictures. Now you start seeing yourself in the doctor's office. Now you start seeing the doctor come out with the x-rays. He's got his glasses down now because he's concerned. You got the, now you start picturing the whole thing in your head okay? Now, now you begin to mention it casually to friends, and now you've got multiple imagination machines going. And so you hear something like this from, from somebody, oh, my aunt had that, and she died three months later. So what do you start doing? Oh, my God. Are you catching this? Elijah allowed the words of a maniac, demon-possessed queen, to infect his thought life. And now the prophet of God, who was just responsible for making a major dent in idolatry in Israel, now all of a sudden, he's depressed, he's contemplating suicide, doesn't want to live anymore. Went from from powerful to pitiful because he forgot that the greater one. We, We need to be careful with this. Because we are constantly formulating pictures in our mind. Constantly. Constantly. We are constantly allowing messages. Messages that come through, through, through maybe social media. Messages that come through TV. Messages that come through any type of, of, of communication source. They're, they're, they're meant to produce an image. So, I've sat sometimes and said to my wife, can you tell me what this commercial is all about? Because what I'm seeing here doesn't match up with the product. You listening to me? Yeah. What is what is it what, what are they trying to do? They're trying to create a picture on the inside. You need to have this car because if you have this car, you're going to look like Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey, <laughs> what his name is? Or you're going to you know you 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 the women you're going to look this this sexy woman in this beautiful outfit, you're gonna look just like her? How can they never show a fat, bald guy driving these cars? (laughs) Because you don't want that picture on the inside, neither do I. (laughs) Are you catching this? Are you understanding what I'm saying here? Because what I'm trying to do is to expose the enemy's plans of taking what God has meant for good and turning it around for evil. Because he uses, if everything's how God created us, against us. Jesus warned us about formulating pictures that are going to drain us of our faith in God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 25. I want you to walk through this with me, okay? Please stay focused. Therefore, I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, take no thought for your life, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Nor yet for your body, what shall you put on? Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment or clothing? Behold the fowls, the birds of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not not much better than they? The answer is yes. yes. Yeah. Verse 27. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit Unto your statue. In other words, you're not going to gain an inch by you taking the, these thoughts, these worries, these concerns. And why do you take thought for raiment or your clothing? What do you worry about what you look like and what you dress like? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, they don't have five jobs. Neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, if God takes care of the wildflowers, which this day is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O you, of what little faith? Now look at verse 31, because here's the principle. Here's the same thing. This is exactly what happened to Elijah. Jesus said, "Therefore, read it with me nice and loud, Take no thought saying." No, no, you don't have to go there yet. Let's go through it again, because I want you to see the mechanics of how our minds work. He said, therefore, take no thought, Say. saying. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Verse 32. For after all these things... Do the Gentiles seek? The Gentiles go, the non-believers, the people who have no connection with God, spend their time constantly. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? Where am I going to live? Where am I going to work? You know What kind of car am I going to drive? What kind of phone am I going to buy? Constant obsession, constant worry, constantly taking thoughts, saying. Taking thoughts, saying. And so what do we do? We take thoughts like this. I can't afford that. There's no way I could ever have nice clothes. There's no way I could ever have a nice house. There's no way, because, you know, my family, we're always poor. We've been poor for generations. Nobody ever had anything, so that's the way my family So what are you doing? You are taking what? Thoughts. And you're doing what? Saying. And you start setting yourself up for failure. Because Jesus said, you shall have whatsoever you have. Say. Well, it never works for me. You just proved the principle. Jesus said, You shall have whatsoever you say. Yes or no? Yes. Let me read the Phillips translation of the New Testament, verse 31 and 33. So don't worry and don't keep saying. So don't worry and don't keep saying. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? This is what pagans are always looking for. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. Set your heart on the kingdom and his goodness and all these things will come to you. Look at this. As a matter of course. In other words, if you do, if you put everything in the right priority, If you start guarding your thoughts and catch them here before they get here, he said, your heavenly father, who knows everything that you need, who knows that you need food, who knows that you need clothing, who knows that you need a place to live, who knows that in this day and age that you need a car to drive to get to your job so that you can have food, have clothes, have a house. He knows, he said, that will be added unto you, watch this now, as a matter of course. We don't have to keep spinning our wheels. How's it going to happen? 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 Elijah took thought and he began to say. Elijah allowed the words of that messenger to form a picture on the inside. And it drove him to run and, and, and escape and to try to get away from this queen. Now... Why did he not stand up to her the way he stood up to the false prophets just the day before? When he, when he confronted the false prophets, he went there in the confidence of knowing who his God was. Let me tell you something, okay? The false prophets that were there and everybody else that was standing around maybe were surprised when fire came down from heaven and consumed all of that sacrifice and the altar and the wood and the, the, the bull that was cut up and, and the water it consumed and even the dust that was around They might have been surprised, but guess who wasn't surprised? Elijah. Why? Because you don't build an altar and soak it with water three times if you have even a little bit of doubt that your God's going to answer you. You don't do that. He knew. He was convinced that his God was going to answer. But he wasn't convinced when he heard the message that came from this queen. I'm going to cut you up." And a picture started to develop on the inside. And Jesus, in Matthew, is saying, don't allow your thoughts to form based on the negative circumstances that is screaming in your face. Stop the process in your thought life. Because once you begin speaking what you're thinking, now it begins to take a life on its own. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had stuff that you're dealing with in your head, dealing with your head, dealing with your head, and you haven't spoken about it? But now all of a sudden, you you, you let your guard down. And again, I'll use a very, very familiar, at least for me, illustration. I could be sitting on the recliner in the family room, watching TV, and I may have a craving on the inside, especially late at night. How many of you have them late at night cravings? No, don't lie. Come on. How many of you have those late, late night cravings? That's why Burger King puts the, their, their commercials on 11 o'clock at night. And they tell you, we're still open. But let me tell you something. Most of the time, I won't dare let come out of my mouth the picture that I've formed on the inside, that hot fudge sundae with the wet walnuts on it. And the whipped cream, you can keep the cherry. I don't need that. Because as soon as you start speaking, as soon as as you say, "Man, I can go for," and you fill in the blanks, guess what? Five minutes time, you still got your pajamas are on. You don't even have any socks on. You're in the car and you're looking for the drive-in. Why? Because you will laugh. We're laughing about it, but this is powerful. Because we allow the picture that forms on the inside to begin to dictate what we're going to speak, and then it takes a life of its own on. You hear what I'm saying? And the enemy knows that fear and intimidation with us are real tools. And so, again, I'll use another illustration that's very familiar to all of us. You go to the doctor. Now, when you're young, you go to the doctor and you don't really think about too much because you still think you're immortal. So when the doctor tells you, you know, you better get a hold of this situation in your life because 20 years from down the road, you might have a problem. You go, "Eh," and you walk out, big shot, man. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And you don't change anything. But then 20 years later, you start listening to the doctor a little bit more. Or at least his words carry a little bit more power. And so, so even before you get in, the, get in the exam room, when you're still in the waiting room, you're starting to think, I bet she's going to find this. I bet she's going to find that. I bet you my blood pressure's up. I bet you my cholesterol's up. I bet you this, I bet you that, bet the other thing, right? And, and, and you know, as long as you contain it here, you're okay. And, and it's inevitable that you're always going to have one of those people in the waiting room That's going to provoke you to want to just, because they're telling you every symptom that they have, and you match about 10 of them. (laughs) And so they're going to tell you everything that the doctor told them the last time. And what do you do? If you're not careful, you start formulating a picture on the inside. Yes or no? You start formulating a picture. Now you go in, and now he gives you the test results from the last time, you you know, when you went and got blood work and all that kind of stuff. And now he starts pointing to numbers, oh, Oh, this doesn't look good, and that doesn't look good. And that, now watch this now. I'm not saying that we live in denial, by no means. We need to listen to what they're saying and make the changes that need to be made. But we can't let the enemy take it and run with it, because within six hours, he will have you planning your funeral. And you start getting a picture on the inside. Seeing your family around the coffin, around the casket, crying their eyes out. And you get a picture on the inside. And, you, and you're seeing the whole scenario. You're seeing the viewing. And, and they picked out flowers that you don't even like. <laughs> the colors you don't like. You're working it all out in your head. You want certain songs to be sung. You want certain messages. You want, you want the pastor to make sure he says this scripture. You got the whole thing planned out. Why? Because you allowed words to go further than they were, when they, where they should have gone, and you allow them to formulate a picture on the inside that may not necessarily be true. And even if it is, we should allow those pictures to formulate a battle plan on the inside of us and not cause us to roll over and play dead and say, well, this is it. I guess I'm going home. No, you go home when you're satisfied. Psalm 91, the very last verse of Psalm 91 says, with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Are you satisfied yet? I'm not. I'm not. Now, if you're satisfied, fine. Go home, go to bed, say, here I am, Lord. I'm ready to go, okay? And then leave it in his hands. But if you're not satisfied yet, don't allow words. Don't allow facts to determine your truth. The fact is, the fact was, Jezebel was serious about killing Elijah. But he didn't have to roll over and play dead. He didn't have to run in the other direction. He could have risen up in the power of the Lord and could have called fire down on her too. You listening? Yeah. Yeah, Well, that sounds harsh. You got to be harsh with your enemies sometimes. Amen? So, God gives us senses in our body to be able to function on the earth. Now, we've got to understand that our senses are going to pick up things on earth. That's why God made them. We have a sense of sight. We have hearing. We have taste. We have, our skin is probably the most sensitive organ in our entire body because we can tell the slightest little thing that, that touches us. We're made to be sensitive to our surroundings. But we're not made to be ruled by our surroundings. Our surroundings are supposed to determine, are supposed to cause us to come up with a battle plan so that we take the word of God to change those circumstances, not be ruled by the circumstances. Amen? Amen. So when people say, how you doing, stop saying, well, under the circumstances, I'm doing okay. We're not supposed to be under the circumstances. We're supposed to be on top of the circumstances. Okay. When the crisis comes, you're going to remember these words. Now listen, our ability to overcome these circumstances is tied to our recognition of who is in us, the greater one. I wanted you to go to Luke chapter 8. I'm going to start wrapping this up. Luke chapter 8, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. I know, I know many of us are familiar with these scriptures, but, but don't miss the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to show you something new and something fresh. Verse 36, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him in along in a boat, as he was, and other little boats were also with him, talking about Jesus. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was, he was in the stern of the boat, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, This is the worst thing you could say to Jesus. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Oh, my God. Why is this? Because they really don't know who they have in the boat with them. They were not aware of the greater one being with them. Verse 39, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. The wind ceased and there was great calm. Verse 40, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I mean, they just saw him feed 15,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish. He's saying to them, what's the matter with you? Why are you so fearful? How did you allow this to happen? And verse 41 says, then they, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be? Who is this guy? That even the wind and the sea obey him. We forget who's in the boat with us. Now, we detect the physical reality of our natural surroundings with our senses. And they're there to tell us, if you see a snake and it's making a rattle noise, go the other way. You listening? You know... God gave us that ability to say, oh, I perceive there might be some danger here. Yes or no? But we're not supposed to get overwhelmed with fear. And we're we're not supposed to let it paralyze us. Now, just like we have physical senses to perceive what's going on around us, We have spiritual senses on the inside. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He speaks to us. He shows us things to come. He gives, he warns us. He encourages us. He directs us. He guides us. But listen, if you allow what you're seeing, if you allow what you're hearing if you allow what you're perceiving or observing in the natural to paralyze your mind, it is very difficult for you to hear on the inside the direction, the instructions that we need to receive from the Holy Spirit. They had Jesus in the boat. In fact, now, now listen to me here. Listen to me here. And again, please give me your attention because I, I, I want to wrap this up. These are trained, hardened Fishermen. They've been on that sea before. They've been on that lake before. They've been in that position before. This isn't the first storm. But there's something in the wording that indicates this was something different about this storm. In the original language, it seems to indicate this storm came out of nowhere and it took them by surprise. I remember years ago, we were in, I was in Springfield, Missouri, Tornado Alley. Okay. Uh, we were there. I was there for a wedding. And uh, springtime. That's when the tornadoes really, easy. you know, we started to see it already. Springtime. Now we're in this hotel where the wedding's going to take place. And, and we see, now we heard the sirens, and having lived in Tulsa before that, I recognize what the sirens mean. We heard the sirens, and now all the local people, uh, the cleaning staff, the managers, They are all running around scared. I said to myself, if these people are scared, we need to take this serious because they live in this place. They're used to seeing this. So when they get scared, so so imagine these, these fishermen. They're used to storms. And this shook them. This caused them to formulate a picture on the inside, watch this now, that caused them to come to the conclusion that Jesus did not Care. And if you're not careful, you'll allow pictures to form in your mind that will will cause you to come to the conclusion, God has abandoned me. God is not here for me. God has forsaken me. God doesn't care what's happening to me. And that is the worst conclusion that you can come to because when we assume that, we are taking the position of calling him a liar because he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. Are you listening? I want us to go with this. Be aware of your thought life. Be aware of the pictures that you're entertaining on the inside. Once you recognize the path that you're going down is not good, shift it immediately. Start to purposely and purposefully Start to formulate pictures on the inside that are exact contrary to what the enemy wants you to believe. And how do we do that? Speaking. We stop saying the negative, we start speaking the positive. Why? Because positive words are the pathway to faith. Are you listening to me? Stand up, everybody. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that every one of us would take hold of this, that every one of us would recognize the practical tools that we've studied in this message, Father. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that as soon as we begin to start thinking negative thoughts, start picturing exactly what the enemy wants us to picture, that we will snap ourselves at attention and I pray that the voice of the Holy Spirit would be very very loud and alive on the inside of us, getting our attention. You said, Father, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the, let, 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 we speak exactly the opposite of what the circumstances are telling us, Lord. Thank you, Father. For reigniting these, these principles on the inside of us again. That we would obey the words of Jesus when he said, take no thought saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Where are we going to live? What am I going to drive? Father, forgive us for allowing us, ourselves to become obsessed like unbelievers. You are the Almighty God. You are our provider. You care for us. You speak to the storms, Father, and calm them in our lives. And we're so grateful for that, Lord. We trust you with everything we are and everything we have. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. If you need prayer, come on up. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word.